0: Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle.
1: What is good, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. As always, my name is Nick Carlisle, and I have the pleasure of being your host as we work together to optimize our lives through any means possible. This episode is brought to you by MyLifeEnchanted.com, which is my newly released website where you can find all things related to the Life Enchanted movement. I have my blog on there that I post to frequently. You can sign up for my email newsletter on there for exclusive content. You can connect to my social media accounts, check out some healthy snack recipes, visit the Creation Admiration store, and find out how you can help support what I'm doing through Patreon. There's a lot more on there as well. The website is constantly being updated and improved, and if you've liked any of the podcast episodes thus far, it's highly likely that you'll enjoy the content that is on there, especially the blog and the email newsletter. Also, please leave a rating and possibly a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Your feedback helps other people discover the show and join
2: the movement. For this episode, I am back with the wizard himself, Dr. Orville Easterly for round number two. We talk about marriage, male and female relationships, parenting strategies, and more. Dr. Easterly is the founder and clinical director at Life Source Counseling Center in Roseville, California. He has decades of counseling experience as a minister and psychotherapist, and he has been a huge asset for me in my personal journey. This conversation could have easily been three hours long, but we had a time constraint, so I will definitely have to do a follow-up episode because I still have some questions. But regardless, Dr. Easterly dropped some powerful relationship and parenting bombs in this episode, and I'm super stoked for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, Dr. Orville Easterly. All
3: right, we're live. Dr. Easterly, thank you for doing this again, sir. Well, I am happy to be here and honored to have a chance to talk with you further about what I do and the
2: counseling and the marriages. Yeah, you've been super helpful to me, and my listeners have clearly enjoyed your episode considering the downloads it has, so I appreciate you, and so do the listeners. I'm surprised I've never asked you this question. How, how long have you been in this
3: office doing what you do? We started, uh, my wife and I founded Life Source. Uh, back in 1987 and we were in borrowed office at that time and uh, then we went into an office on on the other end of professional drive here and so we've been here in here probably 20 years in this particular suite of offices but doing life source for about 30 years yes in fact we started life source in 19 we founded it in 1987 Wow! Right here in Roseville, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> so, just out of curiosity, regarding your patients, what percentage do you think is couples versus individuals?
3: Now, I'm a I'm a marriage and family therapist, so I, I treat the whole family. Mm-hmm. So I take any any part of the family or the whole family as a, if they want to come in as a group. But my main focus in fact I'm board certified in relationship psychology, and so my focus is primarily on the couple mm. and and the the as parents with their with their children uh so that's that 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 means dating as mm. well as as couples who are living together as well as couples who are married mm. and I do premarital counseling getting couples ready uh for for marriage, which actually starts during dating. Yeah. If, if a couple uh, recognizes that, they, that this is available, then I do dating counseling, which gets them ready to d- determine an, an engagement. Then during engagement, that's when I teach them how to plan the marriage they want to have, mm-hmm. and not the wedding, yeah. but uh, what kind of, a, and I tell them, I says, imagine yourself an architect with a big white canvas in front of you, mm-hmm. and the two of you design the marriage that you'd like to live in one day. If you can design it, then I can coach you in building it. And if you do the work to build it, that's what you'll end up with. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard. Uh, but life without that kind of planning is also extremely difficult. So there's no easy road going forward in any kind of a relationship. Yeah.
2: What? So you've seen a lot of relational issues. I'm sure with 30 years of, of focusing on that, what what are some common threads that you've seen run through a lot of these relationships and what are your typical suggestions?
3: I saw some very, very interesting things during my internship. I did my internship <laughs> in uh, San Francisco uh, and up, up into Marin County. And that was where back in the in these early '70s, where the, the sexual rev- revolution was on mm-hmm. ongoing, and they were trying out all kinds of marriages, group marriages, you know, mm-hmm. uh, commune all that kind of thing. So I had to do some work among them, and that was, that was very fascinating, and it's uh, also a <laughs> good preparation mm-hmm. for the thinking that we're, we're having today, because the thinking that we have today concerning relationships, a lot of it relates back to that uh, sexual revolution in Berkeley, and San Francisco, and and so forth. I did my internships in in San Francisco, in Mm. that area, so. So, but the kind of issues that that we mainly deal, that I mainly deal with in here, with couples, is uh, communication. Mm. Uh, What most people don't realize is that men and women, a man and a woman, are not compatible. (laughs) <laughs> there's there's really nothing about us that's actually compatible we speak the same language we eat the same kind of food we live in the same house uh we we can we can have children mm-hmm. so forth but we don't understand each other <laughs> that and makes so, so much sense <laughs> until until we come to understand each other then we don't know how to talk to each other. Mm. And so I deal. I start right from the beginning with this kind of information and say, recognizing that the two of you are incompatible, don't let yourself get discouraged as you're trying to solve the problems of communication because it's going to take work. But the nice thing about this kind of work is that if you do it, there are rewards that are ahead for you. Mm-hmm if you don't do it there's only difficulties ahead yeah and so communication starts out with the woman understanding herself the man understanding himself and both of them understanding how they're different and so it's 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 in that in that vein that i begin to teach them how to talk to each other mm-hmm. one of the interesting things about us <clears throat> is <clears throat> most women recognize that they think out loud. Not all of them, but most of them do. (laughs) Most men, when I tell them that women think out loud, then they see the problem. (laughs) Because men do not, most men do not think out loud. Mm -hmm. Whatever's going into, through a woman's mind, is going to come right out her mouth. And here's where women have advanced significantly in the evolutionary process, in the in the arena of communication than men because when a woman is going to say something she takes the idea in her mind she she shapes it into words that she's thinking then she speaks those words and so she says the words and hears herself saying them and she usually says them to someone else so she gets the result back from them and then they discuss whatever it is that she's talking about and that's how a woman decides things. Mm. Whereas we men process inside of our mind and we speak a conclusion, which is very dissatisfying to a woman. A woman mm. wants to know what you're saying, where'd you get the information, how did uh, how did you think that through, and they yeah. have a lot of questions. And these are all the things that a woman will provide you if you listen to her. But because men do not think out loud. When they're listening to their wife, they are listening to a person who's thinking out loud. Mm-hmm. And she, in thinking out loud, she will start off on one subject and branch four or five times and get other <laughs> <laughs> subjects going, and he gets lost. And then she wonders why he's not listening. Mm-hmm. Well, he will maybe ask a question that I ask early on in my marriage when I said, honey, what are we talking about? (laughs) And she said, we're just talking. And I said, we're just talking. She said, yes. I said, I've never just talked. (laughs) I've always talked about something. (laughs) And so you're telling me that we're not talking about something. No, we're talking about several things. Mm-hmm. And I said, Well maybe that's why I'm confused because I don't see where it all fits together. My wife patiently over the years began to teach me <laughs> how to listen to a woman. And and that's really really the key in couple communication is a man learning to listen to the woman. One of the principles that I teach is if you want to understand your mate. Mm-hmm you have to learn to listen, 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 listen and listen mm-hmm. until you hear their heart cry. When you hear their heart cry, then you will begin, and it's just a beginning, but you'll begin to understand what's in their heart and in their mind and what they want you to know. Hmm. But it takes that kind of listening, and men are not good at that.
2: No, we are not. What is the telltale sign of a heart cry?
3: All of us have them. There are things that are deep inside of us that have great meaning to us, much of which we haven't put into words yet. And we won't put them into words until we have someone who cares enough about us, is interested enough in us, mm. to talk to us and listen to us. When it's safe, when you when you feel it's safe, to open your heart to someone, then you begin to talk and put into words some of those feelings and ideas and desires that we hold way deep inside because there's no place to talk about it. Hmm. It's in that listening process that we begin to feel safe enough with a person to open up our heart, and sometimes we're surprised at what we find there. Interesting. So.
2: For, that is great advice, I think, more so for a man as far as listening. Um, what advice would you, would be more directed towards a woman for her husband? I mean, listening goes both ways, obviously, but it sounds like males need to do a whole lot more listening and let the, 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 those words get out than the female does.
3: Well, and I can see you you're thinking there. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, women have just as much difficulty, but a different kind of difficulty, uh, listening to a man. Mm-hmm. Because when, when when two or more women are talking together, very often they're all three talking at the same time. <laughs> and they'll have more than one subject going in, in the atmosphere. <laughs> and they interrupt each other and they talk over each other and they don't mind that. But when a man is talking to his wife and she interrupts him like she does her, her best girlfriend, it stops him down. And he'll, he may even lose his place and feel very rudely treated. And he, he, may, he may try it again mm-hmm. and they make several attempts and the woman not understanding that the difficulty is she's not listening, she's interrupting and contributing. Mm. Well, a woman takes whatever you're saying, processes it through her system, and then comes out with her offering in the communication. And so this this natural di- di- difference between mm-hmm. us, and believe me, it's evolutionary. It's it's mm-hmm. it's natural. This dis- this difference. A woman has to learn how to listen, without interrupting, and mm-hmm. without contributing, or being very Uh, very careful Mm -hmm. and rare about her contribution and and her interruption. Otherwise, the man's never going to get out of his mind Mm -hmm. uh, what he's trying to say.
2: Because when a man speaks, it's more conclusive than when a female speaks. A a female likes to speak her mind and kind of talk through things, so interruptions are okay because you're contributing to the figuring out of whatever it is, whereas a man is speaking something that is conclusive, and if you interrupt that, you are interrupting his complete thought, which pisses him off, essentially.
3: Nick, think about the conversations you and I have had. Mm -hmm. We never talk about more than one thing at a time. Yeah. And we talk about that one thing, and we do so in course. I say something, you say something, and it's like us tossing a ball back and forth between us. That's not true with two women or more talking together. Uh, They don't talk about just one thing. Now, with a man, when you and I have finished on on a subject, if there's not anything else we want to talk about, the conversation's over. Hmm. But if there's another subject, then we'll talk about that. And we'll, we'll stay on that subject until we're tired of that. So men have a tendency... Uh, to most men, now there are exceptions to what I'm saying. Most men have, have a tendency to stay on one subject until they have finished talking about it. If you inter, inter- interject a different subject, <clears throat> the other one will probably go unfinished, and then you'll talk about the subject that's been introduced. This is very very different uh, than than women. Mm-hmm. And their their ability to multitask in their conversation and in their thinking is amazing. Now, some men can think out loud, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but most of us cannot. And so here's where we have to learn how to listen to a woman, and the woman has to learn how to listen to us, and then we have to learn how to speak to each other, mm-hmm. and that takes. Sometimes it takes some professional training. Other times, if you just have the awareness, uh, you can go after it and and learn a great deal about communicating with your mate. Hmm.
2: What What are some key components of speaking well to your spouse? Because listening is obviously huge, and then the next step after lis- listening is speaking. What What would you advise on that front? <clears throat>
3: If a man wants to make himself available for a conversation with his wife, the first thing he must do is to make eye contact. Men have difficult, most, not all men, but many men have a difficult time making eye contact and holding it. Women are very good at that. And they, they, they will not feel uh, good talking to you if you're not making eye contact with them. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, you have to get everything out of your hands. <laughs> you can't be working on your phone or mm-hmm. you know thumbing through a magazine, whatever. You you make yourself open and face your wife, and then inquire as to what what is it that you'd like to talk about. Because she'll very often be the, the initiator of it. If there's something you want to talk about, then you, you make the contact you make yourself open and then you say honey i've been thinking about something would you like to hear about it Hmm. now there's an invitation not an imposition some men say look i want to talk about this (laughs) Mm -hmm. now they don't mean to be rude but they tend to be straightforward and that can put a woman off say i've been thinking about some things that are very interesting to me and i just wonder if if you would like to hear about them Mm. now that's going to make her curious and she's going to say yes i'd like to hear about it yeah and then she's going to open herself up and here's where if you know how to talk to a woman and allow her to interrupt to talk over you uh, and not get upset about it but keep your focus on your (laughs) on on the subject Mm -hmm. uh, both of you can really have a good time in the conversation,
0: mm.
2: so communication is the the first and seems like the biggest thing. What beyond communication is is a typical suggestion that you have?
3: Women are very physical. If you've ever watched your wife with her best girlfriends, they touch each other, they hug each other, they kiss each other. Mm. You know, they're they're very physical about. And they're they're quite they they show this positive emotion uh, for each other. Uh, When when a man is physical with a woman, she thinks he's leading to sex, Mm. and whether he is or not, that that's what she's accustomed. So the man once he makes eye contact and they start talking, it's very important that he touch her gently, touch her hand you know, touch your shoulder, naturally in this kind of physical communication that has no sexual context to it. Mm. what's interesting, um, I'm a sexologist, and so I deal with these, these surgeries quite a bit. When a couple is having difficulty uh, with their sex life, one of the first places I start with them is in how they communicate mm. and what touch means and and what snuggling means. Uh, women like to snuggle, and when they feel close and safe, non-sexual, then they're they're open to all kinds of good conversation. And so, th- this is a this is the way you, you you lay the the platform to to have the communication. And the man has to, if he understands what we're dealing with in, in this session, if he understands the difficulties in the communication and he practices overcoming them, and being patient with them, then he's gonna find out that the two can communicate, but they have to stay in practice to do that.
0: Mm.
2: So physical touch.
3: Physical touch and eye contact.
0: Mm.
2: So communication, physical touch, anything else that that is a common piece of advice that you have?
3: Notice that women, Laugh and giggle a lot <laughs> when they're talking to each other. Women really have a good time talking with their girlfriends uh, and there's a there's a lot of levity, but in those conversations, there's also some very important stuff and men tend to be somewhat somber you mm-hmm. know yeah uh, they can tell jokes and they can they can chide each other and they can pick on each other and that's a lot, always a lot of fun. but if they're talking to each other they tend to be quite focused and staying on the subject, uh, and they don't bring a lot of humor into it. If the woman brings humor, follow the humor, Hmm. laugh with her, joke with her, and then get back to your subject. Uh, That makes her feel welcome, it makes her feel equal, Uh, and it doesn't make her feel like she's being lectured to. Mm -hmm. One of the things that men tend to come across, whether they intend to or not, Talking to a woman, uh, if they have something they're wanting to say and they don't want to be interrupted, it sounds like a lecture. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a lecture. Whether or not they intend it that way, that's the way it comes across. And so you you have to be much more give and take uh, in, in communication in that way. Mm-hmm.
2: So the last couple pieces have been great advice for males towards females. What would you say to females listening wanting to uh appease i guess their
3: males more i start with them just like i do with men and i first will start with with a woman's personality and and how a woman is is put together and how she how she handles speech are you aware that you think out loud Mm. are you aware that you get more than one subject going at the same time Uh, are you aware that you tend to interject uh, over what the other person is saying you talk through them you talk over them just like you do with your girlfriends. You don't mean anything uh, You don't mean to be slighting them in any way or or rude, but that's just your nature mm-hmm. You need to understand that your husband is not going to understand that and He's going to wonder why you've interrupted and why you've changed the subject and why we're not talking about something else so if you want a good conversation You have to discipline yourself to stay on the subject that you start with Mm. and follow his lead in questioning and giving answers and make your purpose to understand what he's trying to say to you because he really is trying Mm -hmm. to say something to you. Mm. If you get upset and get angry, then he's going to get defensive. And now we're going to have an argument over arguing it over instead of instead of talking and so you have to understand what what he needs in order for to know that you're hearing him <clears throat> and he has a, the, the task of learning how to listen to you mm-hmm. so it has to go both ways
2: yeah it's a balancing act of understanding each
3: other and finding compromise within that yes and remembering how human we are because we tend to forget mm-hmm. And we get our focus on what we're trying to say and what we're feeling, mm-hmm. uh, and that this this leaves us wide open to get our feelings hurt or to get irritated or angry, and pretty soon we're arguing mm-hmm. uh, simply because we're not knowing how to really listen to each other. Yeah, uh, yeah, everything you said hit
2: home with me tremendously with, with talks, we'll call them that I've had with my wife that, that, that speaks to me a lot. So I really appreciate that. Let's bring kids into the mix because I have a lot of friends that have, that are starting to have kids. I have kids. My brother has kids. My sister has kids. They're all young right now. But what are some common parenting strategies that that you advise people to adopt with with young children, let's say
3: below the age of five? I start with teaching them that every child born into into this world is born with a life cycle task. And that child is going to work on that life cycle task as long as they live. So each of us have a life cycle task that we're working on, whether we recognize it or not.
2: What, explain a life cycle task. It, that the,
3: when that baby's head pops into this world, you notice that they, when their little body slides out, mm-hmm. what's the first sound that they make? Cry. Cry, and they are ticked off. Mm-hmm. Right then, they start doing their life cycle task, which is learning how to manage these big people who are managing <laughs> them, and notice what happens. It, we just buzz around. I, I was present when both of our boys were born and I was fascinated with the whole process. We buzz around, get the baby all cleaned up and wrap the baby up in a nice warm blanket mm-hmm. and then put the baby on his mother's breast. Mm-hmm. Now that baby's happy. Mm-hmm. We've done exactly what, what the baby wanted. Now over the next week, 10 days, 15 days, maybe a month, that baby is going to develop five or six melodies one melody says, I am bored. The other one says, I'm wet. The other one says, I'm dirty. The other one says, I'm hungry. The other one says, I don't know what I want. And the other one says, I'm just mad. <laughs> and we learn the difference.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, there's a sound that they make when they're hurt that rings instantly with us. True. And that's it. so each one of those melodies has a message from the baby to us telling us what to do. And what do we do? We buzz around and do it. Mm -hmm. The baby is learning how to manage us. Now from there forward, that child, life cycle task focuses in on getting their will as opposed to you getting yours. This is what the child has to do if they're ever gonna be a success in life. They have to learn when they're in charge and when they're under authority, when they don't get their way and when they do. So they're always challenging authority. So when you have a little toddler, Mm -hmm. that little toddler will run out from you and it'll come back. It's always making sure it knows where you are, but it's going to go and explore. And whatever you don't want that toddler to do, that's going to mark something that he definitely wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to do it uh, in spite of you. I keep my rings sitting here on this on this little table right mm-hmm. beside me. Mm-hmm. had a mother and a toddler in here today. <laughs> <laughs> Busy little boy, just as bright, just as sweet as he can be. Didn't take a few minutes until he spotted my rings. <laughs> and I watched him out of the corner of my eye come... Right to those rings. And he stopped and he looked at me. And I stopped and I looked at him. (laughs) And then he smiled. Mm -hmm. And then he tried to grab my rings. (laughs) So I grabbed his little hand. And I said, no, those are not to be played with. Mm -hmm. And he just laughed and I let go of his hand and he grabbed again. (laughs) He was challenging my authority Mm -hmm. to keep him from Playing with my rings, that's exactly what his task is in everything. toddlers want to touch and taste mm-hmm. and throw and drop just about everything
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: They're learning about their world and they're learning when they have to do what you want. So one thing I teach parents is, your child is not bad. Your child was born wild. Mm -hmm. Do you realize that when your baby came in this world, it was completely wild? And your task has been to housebreak it, to to train it, to teach it how to live with others, how to give and take. And that's what your child is learning. They are dead set on getting their way. And notice how a child will do whatever they have to do to break you down when you tell them no.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Don't think you have a bad child. You don't you have a child who is determined to figure out when they get to tell you what to do and when they have to do what you tell them what to do. If we keep that in mind, then we're not going to get mad at our child and we're not going to think it's a bad kid. Mm -hmm. And I'm totally opposed to threatening to swat a child or in any way to hit a child or what they call spanking a child. Totally opposed to that. Mm -hmm. And if we have some time, I can tell you why I hold that position Mm -hmm. because that doesn't teach a child what you're trying to teach them what you want to teach them when they're challenging your authority is how to reason with you and so I model in here with some of my parents how to how to start a bargaining a negotiation with your child even as a toddler you want to teach them how to negotiate I teach them to negotiate oh, absolutely gosh. that's what that's I wa- scary for, for young parents yeah <laughs> it's scary but that's what the child has to learn and if we start there and we continue to negotiate with them
0: mm-hmm.
3: what we're doing is we're letting them know that there are times when they can change our mind mm-hmm. and there are other times when they can't then when you they have to do what we want them to do as opposed to us doing what they want them to do mm. and that's that task goes on all the time that they're in our home. One day they're going to graduate out of our house, and if they haven't learned how to deal with authority, then they're going to have difficulty in whatever they do, because all of us live under some kind of authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a long end. No, I love that speech to your your question.
2: That that's awesome. So, teaching your child to negotiate. Is good because even re- I'm thinking about two days ago with my with my daughter and I. They wanted dessert at their grandparents' house, and I was over there the other night. And we had two choc. I told them they can either have two chocolate eggs or um, a small piece of brownie because they got these little chocolate Easter eggs. And so I gave both of my daughters an option. I, I said, you can either have these two chocolate eggs or you could have a brownie. Which one do you want? My first daughter, my youngest daughter said, I want the, the brownie. So I gave her the brownie. Then my next daughter said, what about one chocolate egg and a small brownie? And I told her straight <laughs> up, I said, I said we are not negotiating. This is not a negotiation because I don't want her to get in the habit of, of talking
3: back to me. What would you say to that scenario? I said, probably you, you misinterpreted her. She wasn't just talking back to you. She invited you into a negotiation. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and you refused to negotiate. And But if you had, if you had started negotiating, you'd have come to a, a conclusion, you wouldn't get all that you want, and she wouldn't get all that she wants, but you'd get both get enough to, to feel satisfied because you balance the authority and you, with respect, listened to the other one and recognized that both of you were reasonable in your position. Mm-hmm. So what parents don't realize, because if they don't know how to look for it, is their their little child, whatever their age is, they're reasonable. In other words, they, they know how to reason their way through whatever they're trying to learn at the time. Now, they're reasoning very differently than, than we are but that doesn't make them wrong, it makes them different. And what I want to do is give my child enough information and modeling and mentoring so that they can gain more information to modify how they think and reason about whatever they're doing. I, I we used to have a, have a preschool years and years ago and we had this, this walking beam It was always fascinating to watch those toddlers try to walk that beam, Mm -hmm. and how determined that they are to do it. (laughs) It took a lot of practice in order for them to learn to walk that beam. Well, that's an example of the process of them learning anything about being an adult.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: We tend to think that our child has as much in their head as we have in ours. Now, they they have the, the components, but they don't have the information. And so what we have to learn how to do is notice what our child is trying to learn and then enabling them to learn it. And there, there are a number of things that I do with parents where I I I model for them uh how to how to negotiate and how to to uh to teach uh, or model for the child what you're trying to get them to learn. Mm-hmm. This takes more time than raising your voice or threatening to swat them or yeah. picking them up and putting them in a crib or whatever mm-hmm. uh, it takes it takes more time than that mm-hmm. but if you invest this time while they're growing up it's going to save you a lot of time and probably a lot of money yeah as, as they become <laughs> young adults okay
2: so let's let's make this practical so um say that I let my daughter negotiate between the eggs and the brownies and she's like, "Hmm, yeah, I was able to negotiate there. I'm going to, you know, play that uh play that card a little bit more." So the next day, we have to get out of the house quickly because we're going to <laughs> church and we were working church and she doesn't want to put on her shoes. And we have to put on our shoes and we have to put on our clothes and she wants to negotiate, no, I, I'm not putting on my clothes, or I'm not putting on my shoes. I want uh, you know, a bottle first. I want some milk first. How do you... Because to me, it's like, I shouldn't have let her negotiate with those dang eggs and brownies. <laughs> uh, now she's trying to negotiate this, and we got to leave, and she's throwing a fit, and I can't get her clothes on. So, so what would you advise a parent in that situation? H- how would they negotiate through that to get the shoes on and the clothes on to leave
3: your daughter doesn't have your schedule your responsibilities and she doesn't feel what you have to do and why your schedule is so important so she's not just being a bad daughter she's not just being obstinate Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to put her shoes on (laughs) and that is the basis of her reasoning for the day you're reasoning with her because we need to get to church because i have responsibilities there and if i'm not there my responsibilities are not going to get done and you're you're impeding my progress so it's more important for me to go get done what i'm trying to get done than to take some time and negotiate with with my daughter so that she can understand i understand her not wanting to put her shoes on i would i would she would rather stay here and play or whatever and I know why that I feel responsible to go do my responsibilities so I'm going to try to come up with a compromise of some kind mm. where I can get her to get her shoes on and so I can get out of the out of the house in time to go get my responsibilities done okay but that's not going to be done by raising voices or or having a mean look, or mean sound, or scolding. Mm-hmm. It's by getting eye contact with her, mm-hmm. and say, well, how about if I help you put your shoes on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I help you get your dress on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you make it more of a game, and where she's the center of your attention, you're gonna make a whole lot more progress. You might succeed in getting one shoe on, mm-hmm. and you say, well, I tell you what, let's go ahead and get in the car, Yeah, and when we get to church, then I'll help you get the other shoe on. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so you're what you're doing. You're recognizing that she has her priorities, mm-hmm. she has her desires, and you have yours, and yours are not more important than hers. Mm-hmm. Because believe me, in her mind, your priorities are not more important than hers. Yeah, yeah. So do you do you recommend?
2: Try, even though a 3-year-old might not be able to comprehend things and activities and schedules completely do you recommend verbalizing everything to them so that they can somewhat get it like in that situation like i would say gia mommy and daddy have to work church and we cannot be late we need we need to be there on time because we have to help the people get seated in church before church starts. So we need to get our clothes on because we can't leave. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Is that some good advice is to actually verbalize why instead of just saying, do it, we need to leave?
3: Yeah, I want to verbalize it and say, look, you know, my job is to help people get into the church and find a seat. Now, you haven't watched me do that before but I'll tell you what, you get your shoes on and let me help you get dressed and I'll take you with me and I'll show you what daddy does at at church. Mm -hmm. How would you like to do that? Now, I've opened a negotiation and she has no idea what what you're talking about. Yeah. People get seated and so she may may balk a little bit, say, look, honey, I understand that that you don't really understand what I'm doing, but it's really, really important to me. Mm -hmm. And so... What do we have to do so that I can get you to come with me and so I can show you what I'm doing at church? Mm. Now, this is going to take a few more minutes than scolding her and forcing her shoes on. Yeah, yeah. But you're you're setting up where your daughter is recognizing that Daddy is actually talking to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Parents don't realize how many commands they give their children every day. Yeah, I believe it. They give more commands than they ever have conversation. Mm -hmm. We're always telling our kids what to do and what we want them to do or what they didn't do. Rarely do we have a real conversation with them.
0: Mm,
2: That's super good. So more conversation, more explanations, not as many demands. Right. Which is draining. I mean, as a parent... you you just gotta fight the good fight and I guess just just keep going because there's so many I mean in that situation with with my daughter going to church it's like okay then we get in the car and she wants to buckle herself it's just once you get over one there's another one so having to have those conversations you're I mean you're gonna do it 200 times a day and I guess that's just part of being a parent
3: it is and it's your most important job if we put the time in now the reward will be come to us later. If we don't put the time in now, there's not going to be much reward later. Mm-hmm. The time you're going to invest now is is small compared to the time that you'll have to invest if your child as a as a junior higher or a high school kid or older uh, gets in, in cross with, with with the community mm-hmm. and does some things that they shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna have to rescue them and get them trained then. Mm -hmm. By parenting consistently, investing the time, you have rewards that come. If you don't and you are bullying your child by swatting them or scolding them or whatever kind of method that you use to, to force your will upon them, then what's ahead is they'll be giving that back to you Mm. because Mm. that's what they're learning from you. That's how daddy gets his way. And they will practice it on each other, and they will practice it back on you, Uh, and that'll take far more time out into your future than if you put the time in to parent correctly now.
2: That's really interesting. Man, I wish we had more time. We're going to continue more of these episodes, ladies and gentlemen, because I know that one was awesome just like the first one so
3: dr easterly thank you sir i appreciate it and thank you for inviting me i've just been a privilege to talk with you and and your listeners thank you all right guys later
1: special thanks to king's kaleidoscope for the instrumental used on the intro and outro of this podcast also a big thanks to the good people over at capital floats which is Northern California's premier sensory deprivation or float tank facility. I am a frequent user there and I absolutely love it. And for listeners of this podcast, they're offering an exclusive deal, which is three floats for $120 or 20% off the normal price. Just go to capitalfloats.com, choose the three float intro package, and use the promo code LIFEENCHANTED with no spaces at checkout. Please remember that I am not a doctor. So definitely consult with your physician before making any sudden diet, supplement, or lifestyle changes suggested on any of these episodes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can send an email to nick, N-I-C-K, at mylifeenchanted.com, or you can find me on Instagram at mylifeenchanted. Peace.